This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Jobsolete, where we talk about jobs that are long gone. And the job we're talking about in this episode is intense, so fair warning, might not be for the faint of heart. Today, we're looking at the professional public executioner. Off with their heads! A sword, a stick, and a gallows. Did one person really kill 3,000 people? Everyone in this job is related. If you can get away, you survive. Huge, bloodthirsty crowds. Social outcasts, but wealthy. Killing, in party outfits. So Helen, what do you know about killing people? Well, I watched all of Game of Thrones. As Matt, I repeatedly bring up Game of Thrones. And there is a lot of killing people that goes on in Game of Thrones. Yeah, there was a lot of just chopping heads off with swords. And axes. Yeah. Hey, I've been watching it. I think I'm up to episode seven now. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I don't, I I hope that it was me peer pressuring you. I do. That's all it was. Yeah. (laughs) This is a fascinating one to me. I went down a few rabbit holes uh, researching because I was like, oh, what about today? And I know typically we don't talk about today until the end of the show, but I figured it'd be good to frame it this way because this is heavy stuff. And it still happens. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's not completely job sleet. It's very rare. There are probably only a handful of people today that do this job, but it still exists. Yeah, and we're talking about... So first of all, the job is executioner. And sometimes they're just professional executioner. Is That's the official name. But it used to be called a hangman. It also used to be known as a headsman because uh, typically they the way that they killed people 
was hanging them or chopping off their head. Yikes. Oof. Yikes. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the person who was the official who carried out the sentence of capital punishment, and it was the government that was the one who carried it out. It's not just like some random dude going around killing people. Also, it was in public, and so you would have an audience, that, and often a very large audience. Like a, a lot of people showed up to watch these things. But today, yeah, today it's more low-key. In fact, it's not something that we really want the public to see necessarily. One more thing to bring up, actually, is the way we kill people who are sentenced to death by the state today is most commonly lethal injection, but also electrocution is still something that's sometimes used, and also even firing squad or a single shot to the head in some countries. Whoa. The idea is, yeah, that is whoa, but at the same time, it's you know, you're trying to make it as quick as possible and as painless as possible mm. to be as humane as possible. So we, we're very careful about it today. It's like one of those things like we have to do it. People still want it, but we how can we do it where it's not, oh, wow, like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, bloody and like a spectacle. Yeah. But what we're talking about on the show today, the reason why I brought all this up is because the job was definitely about the spectacle. And we're talking about the obsolete occupation of public executioner. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I feel like in today's world, especially in the United States, like you don't know who these people are, the public executioners. They probably don't want to be known. It's not the sentences are not carried out in public. You're not in like a town square with a big hanging gallows or anything like that. So it's all done hush. And back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was like a show. Absolutely. But also they did so much more than just kill people, as you said in the intro. So... Let's, I think it's time to hop into the, the time machine, maybe? <gasps> the time machine. <laughs> so the 1600s was the heyday. This is when it was more common for this to be like an event that everybody showed up to. And it was also like seen as something that was like socially acceptable. It was before this, but it wasn't as formalized. So it was formal, but also lot. We're talking sometimes thousands would show up to watch these executions. Yeah. And we're not just talking about one particular place. We're talking about all over the world. You saw this, but our expert focuses on France. So we spoke with Paul Friedland. He's a professor of history at Cornell and author of Seeing Justice Done, The Age of Spectacular Capital Punishment in France. Friedland is a historian of France, so much of what he will be referring to happened there, but he also pointed us to when the heyday was for the executioner, which often was in France. If crime becomes something that is all about intentions and malice aforethought, then punishment becomes something that is about deterring crime, dissuading people from having those kind of evil thoughts and going through with it. So the idea is you basically stage these elaborate spectacles to teach people a lesson and to prevent crime. So the execution is meant to symbolize the crime itself and teach people don't do this. So I'll just give you a couple of examples of the kinds of punishments that are cropping up right at the time they, they found the office of public executioner. So one of these is if you counterfeit, the, the usual crime for that is boiling alive. If you commit heresy or sodomy or bestiality, 
they burn you alive because it's meant to recall the sort of flames of illicit passion that that turns you to, to toward the evil side. Highway robbery, they break you on the wheel, uh, which is meant to symbolize the sort of the king's road. And they actually tie you up on this wheel and beat you up with an iron bar and then leave you to die. And all of these spectacles are incredibly elaborate. And you can't just have some average Joe boiling people alive. You need a professional. And that's why they found the Office of Public Executioner and why everybody wants one by, the, by basically the, the end of the 13th century. Oh, so macabre, these horrible ways to die. I guess the logic of it makes sense. If you're using these public executions as deterrence, you want it to be a horrible death. So people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk getting caught and, and having that happen to me. So I guess I won't do the crime. We're talking the Middle Ages here when we start to see a more formal process where like before the 1200s, it was basically like, of course, the state government would like sentence people to death and, and then sentence people to be tortured and all this. But it wouldn't happen in such a way where like everybody would know when and where and how and you're all invited. And capital punishment is as old as humans, as, as old as societies. It's not the only way they punished. I think people assume that, oh, that it used to be that every punishment was death. But no, there was... Like, you could be banished, you could be shunned. You could you know, have your hand just... cut off. That's a good old standard. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Just chop your hand off. Yeah, you still, still need to work. <laughs> I wonder if this all makes me think that there's, if there's something about society, especially that society like medieval times in Europe, where there was like a thirst for gruesome violence. There's something in human nature that makes us watch Game of Thrones and makes us watch these violent TV shows where everybody gets killed and maimed and ho the horror movie genre, like the gory, bloody horror show genre of movies is so popular. And there's something about human nature that wants to see that. But they mm -hmm. didn't have Game of Thrones and they didn't have Saw movies back in the day. <laughs> so it's like they had to do it for real. Yeah, they had gladiators in ancient Rome. I think this is something that kind of continued that. And because it, in ancient Rome, yeah, the, oftentimes it was criminals who were the ones who were forced to fight off the lion or fight off whoever. Yeah. To, but I think the main thing is they wanted it to be something that scared the crap out of people. Like, you could be next, so don't even think about mm. it type of deal. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could be a public executioner? Oh, Do you think no. you have what it takes? Absolutely, 100% <laughs> not. As much as I love Game of Thrones, I am super squeamish. I don't even you eat even red... be a nurse, could you? Yeah, no, I don't even eat red meat because of, the, of my squeamishness. So forget having to, like, hack up humans. No. I think that you have to be a certain kind of person to have this job, like a really strong stomach and a detachment to humanity a little bit. You have to be, right? To yeah, I was going to say that's absolutely true and often a position that people did not want. And so who were stuck with it were people that were like at the margins of society. This is similar to that Sin Eater episode. But yeah, it was different around the world. The qualifications were different around the world. Generally, though, it was people that were undesirable, like at the bottom of the, the hierarchy. Mm, that makes sense. So it's, it's not really a job that anybody really wants to do or nobody's like a little kid being like, I want to grow up to become a public ex executioner. <laughs> 
but you're forced into the job because of desperation. You're either desperate for money, you're, you're like socially an outcast, so you're pushed into doing this job. It's not like you can apply to become one, a, a separate race of people, a kind of a race of outcasts. And their daughters would really only marry other executioners or into other executioner families because nobody else would want anything to do with them. And so all of the executioners are pretty much uh, related to each other. Urban legends that are told about, like one story is about a guy who goes to an inn and meets this really personable man sitting at the bar and they share drinks and they stay up until all hours talking. And only the next day does he realize that the other guy had been an executioner and, and everybody else had been keeping their distance. And one of the worst things you could do is not only be caught in the company of an executioner, but actually dine with them. Another urban legend is about somebody falling in love with a beautiful woman, only to find out that it was the daughter of the executioner. And you can't marry the daughter of the executioner without becoming an executioner yourself. That is so interesting that they all were related to each other. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, oh, there's something like morbidly sad about that. Like, honey, how was work? <laughs> Dad, how was work? Same, heads rolling. Similar to royalty, they're all um, probably getting weird diseases too because of the intermarrying. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024, so get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. 
It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. But yeah, you were born into it often in most societies around the world during the heyday, at least. And I did have, I did look up in particular, the Ottoman Empire was fascinating to me. Only the Romani people could be executioners in the Ottoman Empire. Oh, gypsies, right? Yeah, yeah. They're called gypsies today. They couldn't even share graveyards after they died with the general public. And they had no inscriptions on their tombstones after they died. So very sad. Yeah. That makes me really sad. It's the... It, these horrible jobs where you have to chop up people and torture people to death. And then after all that, you can't even be buried in a proper grave. Like you don't even have respect in death. Another interesting thing about the Ottoman Empire, though, is they had like a weird tradition of if you could escape the executioner, then you could maybe survive. Meaning if you could, if you can somehow get away from the executioner. <laughs> if you could get out of your get out of your wrist shackles and then just run for your life and the executioner can't catch you, guess what? You're free. <laughs> yeah, no, there are documented instances of this. And in some areas, it became that became more formal. Where they're like, okay, you got to at least give them a chance to escape. And if they can't escape, then okay, you, they, you can kill them. But yeah, so anyway, it's a worldwide trend that they were forced into it. They were born into it. And they were cut off from the rest of society because they're like, oh, who wants to be with them? You are literally born into it. And there are a bunch of examples of actual baby executioners, people whose father die when they're at an early age. So there's an example of Jean-Baptiste François Carrier, who becomes the official executioner of the town of Pontoise at the age of one year old in 1741. Obviously, they don't have babies going out and killing people. Um, they've got a regent taking care of his responsibilities until he becomes a certain age. That is bonkers that you, <laughs> a one-year-old executioner who's got like a stand-in until he gets old enough to hold up the axe. Oh, gosh, that's crazy. That's great. Can you imagine these family reunions? <laughs> like, oh, gosh, horrible. Just these horrible conversations happening at the old executioner family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it seems so far, it would seem that the public executioner is one of the worst jobs ever. Why would you ever want to do it? They're outcasts, yada, yada. But they were also some of the best paid. They were incredibly well compensated for the time. These were fairly wealthy people. And they were comparatively well educated. Many of them were literate and could read and sign their names. Some of the salary came as a kind of per piece thing, per execution. In the provinces, it tended to pay a little bit less. In capital cities, it could be really lucrative. The reason why they were well paid is because they were paid for all this other stuff on top of the actual executions. And it was basically like like revenue sharing type of deal. Like everything in the market, they got a portion of the profits, which I don't know why. I couldn't find out why <laughs> that was, but it's, it seems to be pretty... It makes sense. If you're an employee of the state today, you get paid 
by taxes, right? That's how you get paid. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense that back then this is like the way of taxing everybody in the community to then pay towards you, your job, which is essential to the community. That actually makes a lot of sense now that you say, put it that way. We've already been talking about the skills a little bit here, but let's continue with the skills because they were quite skilled actually. And I know this is weird, but you got to make sure that you quickly kill them. That's a skill that there are stories where if they didn't kill them immediately, they then not only could they maybe get away like the person they're supposed to kill, but the public might just take them away saying, you didn't do the job, so they're free now. You'd have your sharp sword. Uh, You'd have your various implements for the gallows. They were in charge of taking care of all the equipment. You've got your torturing equipment too. And in France, at least, the executioner was in charge of torturing, which was a sort of legal procedure to try to get somebody to confess or give up their accomplices. It's not quite a tool, but one of the sort of interesting things about executioners was the outfits that they were required to wear, because it was really important to people that they'd be recognizable from a distance, that they couldn't be confused with normal people. So every different town had a different requirement for the executioner. So in some places, it was a special cloak of a particular color. In other places, they always had to wear the insignia of the gallows. In some places they had to wear party colored clothing, meaning like one pant leg would be red and one would be yellow to signify that they were not like other people. But there are all these, as you go through the archives and read about this, there's this constant game between the executioners and the local officials trying to outsmart each other because the executioner doesn't want to be recognized everywhere because people would throw stuff at him or not allow him to sit in particular places. And in some places, they also had to carry like a large stick, which as time went on, would get bigger and bigger as people became more anxious about being able to recognize the executioner. uh, So they wouldn't, by mistake, come anywhere near them. Oh, my gosh, this is so sad and twisted. These poor people had to wear outfits so everybody could shun them on a daily basis. Oh, man, even on my day off, I can't just go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Because I'm wearing these party-colored clothes pick me out from a distance, and they're certainly not going to let me into the Starbucks for a coffee. They're like, hey, no executioners in here, bro. People were not supposed to like them at all, and I think that's part of the whole like spectacle of it. So, Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024, so get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. 
Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. There were no typical days for a public executioner because these were big days. Dr. Friedland's going to talk about the biggest public execution of all time. But the biggest execution, the sort of the apogee of, of payday executions would be the execution of Damien in 1757. And that was just, it was the first drawing and quartering in, in 150 years. So everybody wanted to see it. And people bought up windows at exorbitant prices. They even tore off the roofs of the houses nearby so they could construct viewing platforms. And there must have been hundreds of thousands of people who showed up to watch that one. See, that really makes me think there's like a segment of every human population that is drawn to gore and violence. That's why in today's era, these gore porn movies are so popular. There's a, a portion of our population that is drawn to that and wants to see blood and guts and gore. For a drawing and quartering in 17-whatever to draw hundreds of thousands of people and they're like paying for window space and they're constructing viewing platforms, like they're like, oh, it's a drawing and quartering. It's so gruesome. We gotta watch it. Hundreds of thousands of people, though. I can't wrap my head around that very well, like in thinking about about 1757 in France. But another part of a typical day for these events was when the executioner first got there, like we hinted at earlier, they had the right to seize a certain percentage of all goods sold in the public marketplace, or at least seize the profits from that. And again, this was actually the bulk of their income. And one reason why they were so wealthy the first thing they did when they got there was like, all right, guys, pay up. Okay, before we get this party started, pay tributes or what kind of goods you got in the marketplace for me today. Hundreds and sometimes thousands of people would flock and the execution was usually right by the market. So just when things were getting busy, the executioner and their families would show up at the market and then they would fan out to take their due from each of the different people. But because all of these people were outcasts and basically untouchables, nobody wanted them anywhere near 
what they were selling, particularly if it was food, because their touch would contaminate what was for sale. So they would have to take everything with a tin spoon rather than touching things directly. And they would mark the people who they had already taken stuff from with chalk. And as you read through the archives, people are just very upset about even being touched by a piece of chalk that the executioner is holding, because that's how infamous they are. But they would make a huge amount of money off of this stuff because it's basically a percentage of all goods sold in the public marketplace. So I just can't get over how like they can have whatever they want. They, these executioners can go around and take whatever they want, but they can't even grab it with their own hands. They have to use a spoon to get it. And even just marking the people with chalk, which I'm assuming they did on their arm or something, or maybe their forehead. I don't know. And the people we are can like, speculate. ew, ew, get that chalk away from me. Ew, the executioner touched me. Gross. It's now time for our notable person. I will say that this person, this executioner, he famously killed Marie Antoinette and he killed King Louis XVI. Whoa. This was during the French Revolution, a, a time of lots of executions. <laughs> Probably the most famous executioner is Charles-Henri Saint-Saëns, who was from a long line of executioners. And he was the executioner during the French Revolution. He is the guy who executed Louis XVI, Marie Antoinette, all of the French revolutionary politicians who were killed by guillotine. And he probably presided over the execution of, of two or 3,000 people over, his, over the length of his tenure. He served the king. He served every single regime. It was execution the Napoleonic regime. Every single political regime, he was the executioner. Whoa. I can't even imagine seeing that guy's resume. Yeah, I've killed 3,000 people, <laughs> including the king and the queen. What's up? What's up? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of other famous people during the French Revolution. Towards the end of his career, the guillotine is the most common way of killing, and that actually marks the beginning of the end of the public executioner. And it seems like it's going to be a big improvement because it takes all the guesswork out. But what it basically does is industrialize the profession. So you don't really need anybody who is skilled. All you need is somebody who can pull the cord. But it takes a while for the profession to disappear. At first, in 1793, they probably had a couple thousand executioners in France because almost every town, every major town, in the northern two-thirds of the country would have had an executioner. And in 1793, they decide they're only going to need one executioner for each of France's 83 departments, one executioner and one guillotine. So you go from a few thousand to 83 in 1793. And all the other thousand executioners, some of them end up taking jobs in the South where there hadn't been an official executioner, but a lot of them end up in poverty. And if you go to the archives, you can see all these actually very touching letters that they wrote to administrators, basically saying, I'm an outcast. It's not like I can get a job. I can't show up at the local tavern and ask to be a bartender. I cannot support myself or my family. Or even those who got the job and moved to the South were treated horribly, even worse than they'd be treated in the North. Uh, and people threw stuff at them and screamed at them. And one guy, I remember, wrote to the officials, I cry myself to sleep every night. I mean, they're actually really touching. You can feel sorry for these guys. Wow, that is typical, right? This job went away because of automation and mechanization. 
it's very sad what he was saying that they were writing these tearful letters because they couldn't support themselves. But I think there's a lot of personal tragedy with this job going away. But I think probably as society moving forward, it was probably a good thing that this job went away because even the guillotine is a more humane way of killing someone than you hoping someone hacks your head off in the first swing. There's a lot going on here, actually, more than technology, I think. Wouldn't you say? I definitely think so. I think, like I said earlier, it's the stomach for it. It went down. And also, I think because we do have movies now and TV shows and this gory porn thing that you don't really need to do it in real life to get that, to scratch that itch for humanity. So you can take some chocolate syrup and some film and (laughs) pretend to kill someone on film and watch that and get that violent streak out. But you don't need to do it in real life. So I think the stomach for it went down. It is kind of a form of escapism, like for entertainment. But what's interesting to me, the fact that the the French government also at the same time, the, the camera is in there. They snuck the camera in there to film it and then they're distributing the film. The French government is embarrassed by that. And like we said at the beginning of this episode today, it's still pretty half and half in terms of how many people are still okay with the death penalty. About half of the population in in most societies is okay with it. But even those who are okay with it, they don't want to see it. They just want you to just... Do it quietly and keep it out of sight. But again, it's the it's a lethal injection, electrocution. You're just trying to kill them as humanely as possible. So why, why would you need a public executioner? That doesn't make sense today. <laughs> All right. So final thoughts on the legacy? I think this was one of the most complicated and sad jobs that we've covered in this series. I didn't know how tragic the job was. And so in that sense, I'm, I'm really glad that the job has essentially gone away especially the public spectacle of it. And I'm curious to see if we did make public executions, modern public executions, more public, if we actually televised actual public executions, if the job would go away entirely because people really wouldn't have a stomach for it. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, something I thought of was this job created so much suffering, yet the ones who performed the job constantly suffered. I would also agree that this job going away was a win-win because you had less suffering, both by the person doing it and whoever they were doing it to. Jobsolete is produced for iHeartRadio by Zealot Manufacturing Hand Forge Podcast for you. It's hosted by us, Helen Hong, that's me, and Matt Beat. That's me. The show was conceived and produced by Steve Zamarki, Anthony Savini, and Jason Elliott. Our editor is Tommy Nickel. Our researcher is Amelia Polka. Our production coordinator is Angie Jaimes. And theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. A special thanks to our iHeartRadio team, Katrina Norvell, Nikki Etor, Ali Cantor, Carrie Lieberman, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, and Bob Pittman. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. 
Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. This is the lunch rush at your local deli. Orders are flying in. Online, on the phone, and in person. Order for Nick. So is it possible that fast internet can help your business outrun the rush? It is with Comcast Business. Powering your connected devices with gig speed Wi-Fi and fast downloads and uploads. With Comcast Business, next level speed isn't just possible, it's happening. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Requires gigabit internet and compatible router. Actual speeds vary.